Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman. One of my biggest professional regrets in the world of HR is that I don't have a mentor. There are a lot of people I admire. There are a lot of people that I learn from, but I don't have a relationship with someone where I go to them for guidance and just overall wisdom. You know, I'm not alone. Many of you don't have mentors either. And I know it because you email me and ask me questions about how to approach people, how to find a mentor. Once you have a mentor, how not to lose that person or mess that relationship up. Since I'm not terribly qualified to answer questions about mentorship, I thought I would invite an expert onto the show. This week's guest is Mike Sipple Jr. And quite honestly, he's a mentor to mentors. Mike is the president of an executive search firm called Centennial. He's the founder and CEO of the Talent Magnet Institute, and he's the host of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. That's a lot of jobs. (laughs) I don't know how this man finds time to mentor, but he does. And not only does he mentor many people within human resources and recruiting, he teaches mentorship, he instructs, he leads, he guides, and he's really trying to elevate the way mentorship is delivered in organizations all across the world. So if you want to raise your game as a worker, as a leader, or just as a human being. Sit tight and I'll be right back with Mike Sipple Jr. and Let's Fix Work. Work is broken. And so is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is picking up the pieces so you can take control of your career, put yourself first, and be your own HR. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, Mike, welcome to Let's Fix Work. Lori, thank you so much for having us today. Oh my goodness. I am so happy that you're a guest on the show. We've been friends for a long time and I I wouldn't do justice to your story about who you are and how you fix work. So to get started today, can you give us like the 45 minute elevator pitch on what your passion is and how you're fixing the world of work? Sure, absolutely. So I would love to go 45 minutes, but I'll keep it oh. brief. <laughs> Did I mean that? I'm in 45 <laughs> seconds, but we'll, <laughs> we'll leave yeah, it so, in because this so is I'm, the real world. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So Mike Sipple Jr., thank you to those who follow myself and the work that we do with the Talent Magnet Institute as well as Centennial Inc. You can find me at MikeSippleJR.com to follow and learn more. Ultimately, I'm a individual who thought he was going to go to the professional world to be a landscaper and turf grass manager and uh, found myself working in my family's business, which was an executive search firm and fell in love with the ability to help know and serve people, which is why I was going into the landscaping and turf grass management space, but that's for another day and never left it. So I've been doing this 18 years. My father, my mom, I work with both of my parents as well as my wife, who's on the board of directors with my parents and serve people. We Our firm works with leaders in 16 different countries, 38 states, and love multicultural workplaces, love getting to know people and helping people be and bring their best into their workplace. Well, one of the joys of my life is meeting great people through Jennifer McClure. And I know you and I share a love of Jennifer. She is someone who I consider to be one of my mentors. Whenever I'm about to go and do something ridiculous, Jennifer is there with wise and sage advice. And I know, Mike, you are known as a mentor and you are someone who's passionate about mentorship. Could you share with us a story about a mentor or someone that you mentor and why mentorship is so important to you? 
I will. And yes, we both do love Jennifer McClure. I had the distinct pleasure to work across the our offices. We could see each other from our offices for six, seven years. And she's been awesome investment in me. So th- here's here's what I would say to this particular topic. I have had the good fortune of a father who always seeks counsel of others, always seeks counsel of others. Because of that, I learned as a very young professional to seek the wisdom and counsel of others. So my dad kind of has this mantra that he's always going to be mentoring someone who's 10 and 20 years younger than him. And he's always going to be mentored by someone who's 10 and 20 years older than him. And he has done a phenomenal job of that his entire career. So I have taken that same mantra because I've learned how successful he has been, not just in his professional life, but much more importantly, in his personal life. And people who have breathed wisdom into him, I look for individuals who can be my mentor. I always say, you don't have to go up to someone and say, hey, will you be my mentor? Basically, you learn from that person and you seek someone out who's accomplished great things. And I've had a couple of individuals who have, I know they have succeeded at running very successful organizations, holistically successful organizations where people actually care to be around them and their family's intact. Whoa. I mean, that's the most important thing. I'm so struck by this theme of holistic leadership and also the commitment to the family because I hear it when you talk about your father. I hear it when you talk about leaders. I hear it from guests on your podcast when they are focused on their well-being and when they're focused on their whole selves, emotionally, financially, spiritually, they end up being better leaders and better mentors themselves. So can you talk a little bit about that connection and why it's so important? So to me, as an entrepreneur, right? So I came in, I'm now running our family business and have been for the last several years. I also have recently started a few other organizations with the Talent Magnet Institute. My wife and I started an executive co-working brand called Impact Cowork. We do those things, but I never want to allow those things to take over my personal life and to wreak havoc. I love my wife dearly and nothing will come in the way of that relationship. So in order to make sure that I live my values out, I need to surround myself with people who have ran a complex professional life while managing a complex personal life. So I have sought that out. That's something intentionally. So the, those that I lean into are those who are, you know, in many cases are now grandparents who are equipping me with, oh, I wish I would have known this when I was your age. And I'll share with you that even intentionally, I had some really tactical things that I needed to learn before I took over as president of our firm. So I specifically reached out to a few leaders. One, Jean Lauterbach is a very dear friend of mine. She's a Vistage chair, one of the top Vistage chairs in the country, and asked her that question of, Jean, you've seen presidents fail and you've seen presidents be successful. What do I need to prepare myself for? I have another friend of mine, a mentor of mine, Ron Brown. Ron was a very large company CEO. And I asked him the question, Ron, you were also a young CEO once, right? What do you wish you would have known? And what did you do in preparation for your next career step that I should be planning for? Those two individuals, as well as another very good friend of mine, Chris Painter, who was a CEO who at one point in his career decided, you know what, I'm going to pivot because I need to pivot personally. I need to pivot professionally. 
And he allowed me the opportunity to be along that journey with him. Those three, I could name 10 more because of how I learn and grow by being around others, but gave me some of the tools and preparation for how do you do both of these well? What does it mean? And when have I not done them well? And what do I wish I would have known? I am so interested in this topic of mentorship. And so is my audience, Mike, which is why I'm glad you're here today. Because one of the top series of questions I get is all about the world of mentorship. How do I get one? How do I be one? So maybe we can go through some of those questions today and we can answer listener questions and just be really super helpful. And I think one of the top questions is what makes someone qualified to be a good mentor? And can I be a good mentor if I'm not an official leader? What's your take on that? The answer is absolutely yes, because you are human and you bring life experiences. You can be a mentor. So, and I love that your listeners, we're all so engaged in your content. Congratulations that people are really submitting questions to get their own help from your podcast. Honestly, I mean, the top question I get is how do I start a podcast? And then the rest of it is how do I deal with my bad boss? And how do I deal with the world of work? But when people write in with specific questions on mentorship and leadership, it just warms my heart that they think I can find somebody to answer that. And so you're the man today, Mike. I love it. I love it. So the other question on qualified to be a good mentor, if you have life experience, You know, I think you do need to check yourself personally and say, how am I feeling, right? If I'm not in a good place emotionally, spiritually, relationally, let's fix that first, right? Let's get you healthy there first. But the reality is, and we have guests on our podcast that talk about the dark places they've been in their personal lives. And what makes them a great mentor now is that they've come out the other side, right? And it's usually because a friend, family, or colleague leaned in and said, hey, your life is worth more and I'm going to help you get clean, get this figured out and get help. So once you feel like, you know what, it doesn't mean everything's perfect. I deal with anxiety. I deal with stress like the next type A entrepreneur does. But we bring value and experience. And in fact, when you own that, when you say... I am valuable. I know the experience that I bring and the things I've been through. There is absolutely someone who will benefit from that. What I also hear you saying is that great mentors are vulnerable and they're willing to share not only the good things, the successes, but also the failures, the moments where they didn't necessarily live up to their own expectations. And they're willing to just be rigorously and radically honest about it. That's right. Yeah. And those that are what you do, you help others realize that, oh, A mentor, you don't have to be perfect to be a mentor. In fact, that's where the mentoring comes from because all of us have failures. All of us trip. All of us make mistakes. And yet we all have that experience to live from and can help others who might be living through something that I've gone through before. You know, one of the questions that comes up, whether I'm answering reader email or even just speaking out on the road, is that people come to me and say, I would love a mentor, but I don't know how to find one. And I want to say, look around, just pick somebody, just ask, right? <laughs> What's your take on that? Because I think it takes a level of bravery and courage to ask somebody to be a mentor, but I think it's worth it. So where can people find a mentor and how do they ask? So one of the things that I... We we talk about this a lot in our search firm. I don't think you need to knock on the door and say, hey, will you be my mentor? I think we can say, you know what, Jennifer McClure, I see her as a mentor. In some cases, she sees me as a mentor. And that's good, right? That's awesome. 
you know, there's so many leaders I've met like yourself that the content you share, the way you lean into discussions, the way you push and ask the next question that I'm thinking, you're mentoring me and equipping me to be confident enough to start a podcast, which is one of the scariest things that I ever thought I would be doing, right? So I think part of it is identifying that person that you want to learn from, that you say, you know what, there's something about the energy, the passion, the experience that you've heard about that this person's been through in the past and that you can see them live through, that I think that's a person you can step in and learn from, right? So I'll I'll give you another great example to those listening. I've never met Michael Hyatt, although my team jokes that they have. (laughs) And I haven't. So they've gotten pictures of Michael and Megan and I haven't. But Michael Hyatt, you've been a mentor to me because you've lived authentically, you've shared what it was like to, you know, he shares what it's like to go through the role of CEO and to go through a private equity transition that didn't go as well for him and the journey of what he's on now. I've learned a lot from that because I can see myself go through those types of life experiences and living similarly. And I can see his passion for helping others and his passion for his his family and I, you know, the passion for his wife, Gail, I get fulfilled by that because I know, see, this can be done and we need to live authentically. So that's a great example of someone I've never even met. I've listened to the Lead the Win podcast. I always joke, I buy every course and book that Michael Hyatt puts out because I'm all in on the way that he leads and the way (laughs) he thinks. And uh, partially it, it is true, but it's because of I admire how he's led and what he's led through. So you do not have to go up to someone and say, will you be my mentor? Tour. You can simply learn from that person and say, hey, I'd love to spend time with you. You know, I mentioned a couple of names earlier, Gene Lauterbach and Ron Brown. If I get together that time when I got together with Ron, maybe twice a year, the time was so precious to me that I was taking countless notes and asking the questions. I knew this is, you know, I have lunch with Ron today and he's an incredibly busy executive and he's given me two hours. Well, wait, how do you prepare for that? Because I think so many people come to a mentor meeting and they may have an unrealistic expectation of how to use that time or they're waiting for the mentor to just dispense wisdom like they're the Buddha or Gandhi, right? (laughs) Right, And they don't take an active role in their own learning and their own journey of leadership. So how do you prepare for a meeting with your mentor like that? Oh, it's a great question. So one of the aspects I would encourage is think about what you you really need guidance on. And you don't have to say, I really need guidance on this, but you can say to someone who brings experience, here's what I'm working through. I'd love your insights on this, right? So and prepare for that. Think about that. Be thoughtful like you should with every meeting right? You should have a strategy for every meeting. You should, you know, you're not just getting together to connect, you're getting together to learn and to give and think about what do I think I can do for this person when I walk into that meeting? And that will invite them to come back again. So I think being thoughtful around, you know, what would be really helpful if you look out five and 10 years, what kind of guidance are you seeking? Where are you going? What are you challenged with? And just share when the person says, how are you doing? Say, you know, I'm doing really, I'm doing well, but I'm scared, right? I'm going to, I think in the next two to three years, I'm going to be asked to be president of my company, which I could not be even ever be more excited about and honored by because I've worked so hard for this. But I want to be the best president I can be for my people and be able to maintain my personal life. And if anything, you know, one of the profound comments that Gene Lauterbach gave me was, Mike, when you become president, your world gets smaller. 
right? Some individuals shift the way they come at you. People all of a sudden start seeing you in that position of authority, which can go to your head if you're not careful. They start selling you like they've never sold you before. Your circle of friends gets smaller. And this is the old mantra of it's lonely at the top. Mm -hmm. It's real. It's real. It's not a mantra. So preparing for that. And, you know, again, I have to say, if it weren't for that, I could see where you could get even quicker to be isolated. I'm so sensitive to not feeling isolated because of these two leaders, Gene and Ron, that told me how isolating it can be if you're not careful. So I've been able to shift that and lean into people that I trust. Well, thank goodness you had these formal meetings and you also have informal mentors whom you learn from. When you have a formal mentor, someone that you're dedicated to meeting with, what's the appropriate amount of meetings that you should have with this individual? Is there a good rule of thumb? Do you meet with them twice a year, every other month? Like, How do you figure out how much is enough and how much is too much? Personally, I think once a quarter is more than enough, right? They're not a coach. They're a mentor. Can you talk about that distinction? You're not looking for ongoing, direct, let me adjust how you're thinking, how you're behaving. You know, if I were to do this, I would have done this. You're looking for guidance and wisdom, right? You're not looking for a coach who's going to say, hey, I'm going to bring this process to bear and really help elevate you. Unless you are looking for a coach, then go find a great coach. But I think once a quarter or even a couple times a year to sit down and have formal interactions is more than enough from a mentor, right? If you choose well and you get someone who says, you know what, I see the potential in this leader and I want to spend a couple times a year. And what that can mean also, Lori, is it can allow you to envision who in your world do you wish you were learning more from? right? And if you see one person at a conference a year, take that person out to dinner and call them six months before the conference that you know you're both going to be at and offer to host them at something, right? Because you want to get on their calendar and think strategically of how do I actually get into this person's schedule, but it allows you to open up a little bit. You also, I mentioned earlier, I've never met Michael Hyatt, right? I just follow his content and read all of his books and we've never even met and I would view him as a mentor of mine. I have to say, I've never met Michael Hyde either, but I feel like I've met him through you and through Jennifer. Yeah, I mean, you know, there there are so many people who are evangelical about his work. And I think that's the beauty of people who find mentors. They share them and the learning just expands. It grows throughout a community. I wonder if a mentor is a mentor forever. You know, you find inspiration and wisdom from Michael Hyatt right now. When is it appropriate to kind of pivot? When do you change? Or is that person always a part of your life? If you're in a formal mentor-mentee relationship, those are usually very structured, right? And I happen to lead one. I'm the chairman of the board of the Metropolitan Club. And uh, we have one of the largest mentor-mentee programs in all of Greater Cincinnati. And there is a formal in this particular program. There is formality to that. But I will tell you, those who connect best with their mentors and mentees continue that relationship and may find a personal interest and they go to this particular concert every year together now, right? And they're enjoying each other's friendship and company. So it can start formal. If your organization has a mentoring program or wants to start one, we can certainly help. But if they have one, lean into that. And what you might find is that mentor that you get paired with becomes a friend for life. You know, and I'll share that Back to my continually learning from others, you know, again, I'm not joking. I could give you three, four handfuls of people who I would say are mentors because I personally want to learn from others. 
I don't want to live in my my vacuum, my bubble. And to your point, careers change. They do. And we change in our careers. So we need to be thinking about, okay, what's next? And what does this look like? And again, I say be on a journey of continual learning. Change, challenge, and grow yourself. And part of the way you do is by putting amazing people around you to change, challenge, and grow you. Well, I am struck by your comment earlier that mentors are not coaches. Because one of the things that happens when you're a little bit older in your career, like you and I, is that you often mentor other people who are mentors. And so I've had people come to me and say, I'm mentoring this new up-and-coming blah, blah, blah. And all she does is complain. So when do you know a mentor-mentee relationship is going well? And what are some of the signs that it needs a little bit of work? And what do you do with someone who comes to you and wants you to mentor them, but all they really want to do is complain about their current predicament? So I think if you're in that scenario as a mentor, you need to provide that feedback. Right. So you need to say, Hey, I really appreciate our time together. I'm so appreciative that you would think of me, but it sounds like right now you really need a coach or a counselor for some of the things you're working through. And again, it might sting to the mentee hearing it, but the reality is that's the right thing to do because that's what you wish you would have had someone do if you were in that position. Right. So live out what you wish you had in a scenario. And don't let someone muddle in that. That's not a mentor. Again, that's a coach or a counselor. I think there should be joy and enjoyment in that relationship that, you know what, even if the mentee is in a hard spot that you say, you know what, I see myself in her. I see myself in him. I would love to help this person just kind of guide them and provide some wisdom. And you know what? I'm going to learn something too, because it's a different generation who has different life experiences, who can bring much to the conversation of things that I never thought about. And I didn't have to deal with that when I was in their position. Well, that is so well said. I have often found that in that relationship between mentor and mentee, I'm always learning. But I've had young HR professionals come to me and say, you know, I've been mentored by someone whom I admire. The relationship is changing and I want to give back to that mentor. How do I give back to them? And I always tell them, you don't have to buy them a gift. (laughs) That's not why a mentor does this job. But just in general, how does a mentee make sure that she or he is giving back to that mentor and providing a meaningful exchange, providing a wonderful experience? How do they do that? Yeah, that's a great, great point. I would say, I'll just give you some some personal examples for myself. Figure out what they enjoy or invite them to something you enjoy. So if you enjoy going to an event or, you know, tonight my wife and I are going to a program called Give Where You Live, where everyone in the room is like, we're taking our daughter this evening because we love to teach our three kids how to be philanthropic and to give back. Invite a mentor to that and just say, Hey, I'd love for you to enjoy something that my family enjoys. And I'd love to introduce you to a couple of friends. We're getting together for lunch and, you know, be social, be real, be authentic. You may also find that, you know what? I heard that you love the symphony, love the ballet, love the opera. And through my connections, I was able to get a few tickets, four tickets. I'd love to to go with you. I mean, I think it's really enjoying things of life that we enjoy because the other reality is a lot of us have a hard time slowing down and don't feel like you have to compartmentalize. I always say the joy of integration and overlap and being the whole self is so critically important. So those conversations should also be personal and should be about what they enjoy in life, not just about the career growth and the pipeline for your own self. And I think what you'll find with many mentors that I've been encouraged by, that until they realize that, that life isn't about climbing a ladder, 
It's about enjoying the journey and looking around and smelling the, you know, in some cases, smelling the valley that you're in, not just the peak. Those are things I, you know, that I am so, so thankful that I've been told by others who had a lot more experience than me. Well, I'm so pleased that you were able to come on today and talk a little bit about mentorship and also share some of the people who have made an impact in your life. I mean, really great names, really great individuals. As we leave the conversation, do you have any final thoughts on mentorship? Any words of wisdom for our listeners out there? Life is not a solo sport. And if you can recognize that, please, please, please to our listeners, if you feel like you're the only one, like you're by yourself, and that it is a solo sport and no one understands and I don't have anyone to go to, now is a wonderful time to seek out a mentor, right? Because so many people have been right where you are and there's an opportunity to change. And if you don't know where to start, certainly feel free to reach out to Lori or myself because we love pointing people in the right direction. Fortunately, we both have had people who have done that for us and paying it forward means everything to us. That's right. So great to have you on today's show. If people want to learn a little bit more about you, let's give them again some places where they can find you. Yeah, so we've tried to make this really easy. If you go to MikeSippleJR.com, MikeSippleJr.com, you can see the brands that I'm a part of, the social media. We also have a couple of free giveaways, free downloadables about being a better boss and leading yourself well. So that's a gift to all of those in the Let's Fix Work community. And would love to have you follow us on social media and engage in our conversations. So thank you again, Lori, for this opportunity. Absolutely. Everybody will have all of Mike Sipple Jr.'s contact information and properties and link to his awesome and amazing podcast in our show notes. And Mike, thanks again for being a guest on Let's Fix Work. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mike Sipple Jr., All the good stuff from today's episode, all the links, all the stuff is in the show notes. And you can find those show notes and also download a PDF of key takeaways at laurierudeman.com forward slash let's fix work dash 78. Let's Fix Work was recorded in Raleigh, North Carolina and Cincinnati, Ohio this week and is produced by Danny Osmond at Emerald City Productions. Now, you know Danny is the guy for podcasting. I don't know why you're emailing me on how to start a podcast. Go back and listen to episode 76 to get all the podcasting goodness. If you have feedback for me, I'd love to hear how the show can be twice as good. You can hit me up at hello at letsfixwork.com. Finally, I'm out on the road a lot and I would love and welcome the opportunity to talk to you if I'm in your city. So if you've ever wanted to be a guest on Let's Fix Work or you have ideas for guests for me, please go ahead and email me again at hello at letsfixwork.com. Now that's all for today and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. If you're ready to make a real change in your workplace, start today by number one, subscribing to Let's Fix Work on the Apple Podcasts app or iTunes or Stitcher or Android or wherever you listen. Number two, write a five-star rating and review. And number three, share it with a friend, colleague, or coworker who you think would enjoy our episodes.